We are back. Uh, another episode of the Dre and Dez podcast. We have a very special guest with us today, Mr. Corey Johnson. Big uh, fan of the show. Thanks for joining us, Corey. Thank you. Thank you. Much so, for sure, for sure, man. Um, Dre, how you doing? Hey, good, man. I'm doing really good. You know, uh, holiday season. You know, uh, you know, things are going well. I'm very fortunate. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's a good time of year. Good time of year. I've seen uh, coming to the end of 2020. It's been uh, it's been a year. So I think everybody's excited uh, to get to uh, 2021. So um, I don't think it could be worse. So <laughs> anywho, hold your breath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, today want to get into uh, obviously there was some some breaking news that uh, the game. Michigan, Ohio State has been canceled uh, due to COVID issues uh, with the Wolverines. Um, there's been some speculation on Jim Harbaugh potentially going to the NFL. Uh, there's been reports that like at least five teams are interested in the NFL and him being the head coach. Uh, so it, it kind of brought up a, a topic that Dre and I were texting about and actually Corey and I as well on, you know, if if Jimmy does not coach another game, for Michigan, what his legacy, what is his coaching legacy going to be? Um, and, and Corey, I'll, I'll kick it off to you to, uh, to start us off. Yeah, and I'm definitely curious to hear another uh, fellow fellow diehard and Dre's opinion as well. But same thing I told Desmond when we were texting. To me, it sounds crazy, but I, I totally think it's going to more depend on the next guy in and what they're able to accomplish. And because if you bring in, obviously the big name is Matt Campbell, right? Let's say he comes in first year, gets J.J. going, they look good, fall short, win nine games, win ten games, lose to Ohio State. Then that next year comes around, he's got them rolling, he's got J.J. year two. He does get them over the hump. I think me personally, looking back on it, will say, hey, Jim Harbaugh was that bridge coach. He took over a very bad situation, flipped the program around pretty much immediately, got us back into relevancy, got us back as a recruiting powerhouse, gave the next guy all the tools. But flip side of that, next guy comes in, more of the same old stuff, doesn't get it done. God forbid we even get worse. I, I think we'll just look at it as more of a failure. So it's kind of a weird answer, but that's honestly, I think, uh, what the general consensus will be. Yeah, Trey, go ahead. What are your thoughts on that? So actually, I, I actually disagree. Uh, I disagree with Corey. Um, if, if in terms of this, if that situation would have played out two years ago, two or three years ago, where the trajectory of the program was either ascending or at least level, um, I would agree with that because the optics would have been three or four years into the program. You've had three 10-win seasons uh, and one eight-year win season. Um, so that shows that you have stabilized the program. The program's in a good standing. Uh, at that point, you would have sent Devin Bush, Chase Winovich, sure. uh, numerous guys to the pro, Cesar Ruiz. Um, and your program looked like, okay, you're recruiting kids. Sean Gary, you're recruiting kids, high-caliber kids. You're getting the best out of them. You get them to the NFL, and you're also having the results you want on the field. Um, so let's say Harbaugh, after three or four years, he would have went to the NFL. Matt Campbell, whatever coach you want to put to the situation, takes over and gets better results than Jim had. You could say, okay, Jim was a good bridge coach because he brought you from the cellar uh, to at least stabilizing the program and then left in the hands of somebody taking to the next level, as opposed to let's say that they part ways this offseason – for the optics of the program currently is that it's pretty much back to how it was before Harbaugh got here. You're talking about disaster of a season, losing to your rivals, Michigan State and Ohio State, uh, Wisconsin. It's not so much that you're losing, it's how you're losing. You don't even seem like you belong on the same field. And that's been a constant uh, over the last couple of years. So based on the trajectory of the program, I can't give them that credit, you know, because the, the, there is no bridge. The bridge is falling down. That's all <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I, I actually agree with pretty much 99% of what you said, and that kind of swayed me a little bit. The only part where I 
waver a little bit is that the program's back to where it was when he got here. I don't think that's the case at all. Mm-hmm. When we look at this season specifically, I think there's a lot of things you can point to. Obviously, everything going on, we've been hit hard with opt-outs, injuries, stuff like that. While am I saying it's an excuse for the on-the-field results? No, of course not. But let's say Jim Harbaugh signs an extension and is back next year. I'd, I would be shocked if we won less than eight games. I'd, I think we'd get back to that kind of decent, maybe even close to good, but still still a step away from elite. I, I do think he can get us back to that point, but that's certainly losing the faith on the uh, him being the guy to get us over the hump. Well, yeah. here's my problem with that is that, you know, it, it, with the, if you believe, like Corey believes, uh, and I'm saying to the people out there that are listening, that in a normal year, let's say we throw COVID out, COVID and the complications of COVID, opt-outs, not having adequate time to prepare for the season, affected how the team played this year. You say in a normal year, we'll probably be around 8-4, and 9-3, and three, pretty much the average of what Jim has been here. The problem that the reason why I can't go there is you, the issues that you've seen this year are not necessarily new. I just think that COVID exposed it even more. Made them, yeah, made them worse. Yeah. So the issues with Don Brown, the defense being a one trick pony, well, that's just, that didn't start this year. That's been a sure. constant of Don Brown over the last few years. I think one thing you have seen is the lack of talent, right? So the lack of ta- for years, Don Brown's one trick pony scheme could work if you had the, enough talented, talented guys on the field to execute to the point where you were able to dominate the team across from you because you were that much better than them. Sure. But due to the opt-outs and the complications of COVID, that wound has been opened up even more and that flaw in the scheme is being exposed. That's just one example of like, think you know, I, I don't think that things would be any different. You know, the quarterback situation. Well, we would have a quarterback controversy and issues in a COVID year or non-COVID year. And the reason why I know that is because, well, we have to, it's not no quarterbacks opt out. Dylan transferred, but Dylan had a chance to win the job before COVID hit. And he still sure. lost the job. And then also, if you look at Harbaugh's tenure here at Michigan, he has not shown the ability to develop his own quarterback. Hit the keyword own quarterback. Jake Rudock, fine. People want to give him that. Okay, whatever. But other than that, he hasn't shown it. So, even with a full offseason of preparation, why should I... What proof do I have that shows me that Harbaugh would have prepared Joe Milton, would have prepared Kate McNamara to be... to have a better year this year? So, that, that's that's what I will push back on what you're saying, Corey. You're right. I'm totally with you on Again, a lot of it. The only thing I'll waver is that we're not as bad as when he got here as a program. Okay. The on-field results this year that bad? Yes, of course, it's about as bad as it gets. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the the state of the program as a whole is nearly as bad as it was when he got in. That's fair. That's fair. As in, if Matt Campbell were to come in now versus when Jim Harbaugh got in, he's going to have a heck of a lot easier of a time coming in now. But see, I, I, I push back, and, and obviously you guys are, are the Michigan fans, so, so you know, I kind of want to let you guys roll. But I'm of the strong thought process and feeling that Michigan, it wasn't that bad of a situation that he came into. The coaching was very bad. But, I mean, I'm looking at the draft picks in 2017. I mean, though, like, those were – there was a lot of – good NFL players that were on that roster like this this wasn't this wasn't Penn State you know with sanctions or USC or like there was no sanctions or anything that that went on here and and if we're looking at it for the most part Michigan kind of recruits itself like outside of just I mean the the really really bad years like Michigan doesn't typically struggle to get good players now the elite of the elite I mean, it, it's they're going to, for the most part, the big three of, of you know, Alabama, Ohio State, uh, um, Clemson. You know, you could throw Georgia in there as well when you're talking, you know, the cream of the crop, the, the five-star kids. But, um, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like he came in and had no talent here and had to rebuild this thing from the ground up. It was just like, these guys just need a good coach. Like, Brady Hope, I mean, when you don't wear a headset, 
you have no idea what's going on. Like mm-hmm. that, I, I just, that is, we've talked about it before. That's <laughs> ludicrous to me because yep. like, e- even if you're just talking about in general, the speed of communication and the speed of things that are happening on the field, like it goes very fast. So like if, you know, whatever, it's third and 15 and Corey say, you're the offensive coordinator, I'm Brady Hope and you want to run a draw play and I think we should throw the ball. Well, you know, it's got to go to whatever dude is wearing the Brady Hoke headset. Then he's telling me that I got to turn around and tell that guy. Like, it's just – it's madness. Like, what are we doing here? Like, he, okay, great. You don't prefer to wear it? Well, dude, just do it just for the – just the visual because it's embarrassing. You 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 need to put that on. So, I, I think most of Michigan's problem when Jim Harbaugh got here was the coaching. Like, Brady Hoke – recruited all right it wasn't awful but it was the development and and just the the Saturday you know performance yeah yeah well it, you know I think when you look at what the, the, the bridge between um Hoke and Harbaugh looking back on it I think what Harbaugh did was uh Rich excuse me Hoke had a boat with a hose in it uh, but it was a nice boat and Harbaugh came in. <laughs> Harbaugh came in and essentially patched those holes up and kept it from sinking and got it to initially float and, and, and look good. But then, you know, once he started putting his own flavor on it, that yacht turned into a little fishing boat. I mean, like <laughs> I, I feel a little bit like harsh, but I, I guess my point is that it's it's just so many like negative examples where I'm like, man, like the more and more this becomes Harbaugh's program, it's like, it makes you question everything. You know, I mean, I don't question moving on from Hulk. Of course not. Uh, Corey, I'm in lockstep with you. It was an absolute disaster. But, <laughs> you know, most of his best years, but outside of what, uh, 2017, uh, which they... 18, well, 18 was... 18, yeah, 18 we went, year. Uh, they were favored at Ohio State, and then we know how that yes. turns out. But anyway, when they were favored at Ohio State, other, those first two years were his best teams probably. And, you know, those were all hoax guys. And uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it's, it, it's, it's – I tell, tell you this much. If someone would have told us all, Michigan fans or not, this is how – now put it this way, scratch what? that. <laughs> I said that enough. If – he was anybody else, he would be gone by now. I truly do believe that. I truly you think so? Believe that. I do. Especially, like, not after the first four years, but these last two years, man, I I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think being Jim Harbaugh and his, his dad, Jack, being the famous guy on campus, and, I mean, they, their family really rules the campus. They do. Yeah, it, the, the I, tough part with, with – Harbaugh is he's almost he's almost two like separate coaches like in because if you look at just his resume just high level like don't worry about who the games are you know winning over 70 percent of your games like that's I I can live with that all day every day but then when you look at the rivalry games and it's specifically Ohio State but even if you lump in Michigan State as well like it's not good at all good at all so it's it's so it's I, I think that's why having the conversation is like so interesting and so difficult because there's a lot of ways you can come at it. But nonetheless, like it's, it's just like, it's almost like two face, like one half of it's like, man, that looks really good. And then the other half's like, ah, not so much. Yeah. And to to backtrack a little bit, there's always two sides to the sword with the Harbaugh with Hope players thing. Cause you can look at it from the sense standpoint of Wow he's such a good coach. He made all these kids that cause none of these kids were first round picks, draft picks. Well, not none of them. Some of them were obviously good before, but in general, these guys made their name for themselves. became NFL players and prospects under Harbaugh and they, that they didn't do that under hope. So there's that side of it too. And then of course you can look at it from the other standpoint of, well, why isn't this continued as to the same level of success? With his own players, right? But, so but what happened, Corey? Like, and let me ask. Like, I don't. So it has I, I, I like where you're going, but what happened? You know, if he could do that, and I, I would love to agree with you on that. But it's like, you know, you are so right. Yes, he look what he did with another guy's players who he didn't even scout, and he was able to come to a campus while they they were already there, 
and make help turn them into something. Then what the hell happened with his guys? That he that he should know what they can do, and it's I, you know what I'm saying. That's what's puzzling about it because uh, you're it, it, that's that's what it is. Like that's exactly what happened. He came in for guys that were were not. We're not looking like NFL players on the field. That's what we, I mean. We were terrible, mm-hmm. and immediately we were decent first year, and then year two. You guys were good we that first year. Defense in America. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like so, it's just a pretty darn quick turnaround, and so I do think you have to credit him to an extent for that, and just sure. the mentality and the culture that he did bring, which I've, obviously that culture has since crumbled. But right off the bat, you know that that was definitely a part of it. But the big reason I say he was not put in a, a position to succeed in general when he got to Michigan wasn't more so about year one or even year two because Polk had very good classes early on, and those guys were upper class when Harbaugh got in. So when, when Hoke had his best classes, Harbaugh had them for their juniors and senior years. Mm-hmm. Hoke's last two classes were terrible 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 for michigan standards so once those initial guys graduated we pretty much went straight from hoax guys to harbaugh's first class which was like devin bush gary all those kids were playing as sophomores second year that's true with our whole team and in 2017 where we were i think we won seven or eight games that year which was fine for like a transition year like that but that's when the expectations started to get crazy high because oh now he's in year three now even year four but when you start to look at it, it's like there's a big gap in talent here from these recruiting classes and you don't have that senior leadership because there's no there's no talent mm-hmm. all your your best players are all sophomores that that that's where i think expectations were sort of unfairly placed on him and then obviously you fast forward a couple of years all right now all you guys now you're responsible for everyone on this team everyone in this building you recruited for all strong classes for the most point like it's go time. It's it's big time or bust. Let's get, let's get ourselves in the playoffs, and that's where it just it absolutely collapsed, <laughs> and, and it's puzzling. That's a that's actually a good point because that's I I hadn't brought that to account. Um, so that so that is a good point. That's uh that's interesting. What do you what do you think, Dre? In, in terms of like how it all crumbled, as as, as far as that the Brady Hoke. You know the Brady Hoke essentially cream of the crop going to that younger. You know the the yeah the, the, the drop off yeah. right. Well, I mean I definitely believe there's some there's merit to it. You know like um, because obviously just like you will see for the next coach that takes over, the 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 worse a program does, typically the less the harder time they're going to have the ability to recruit to recruit. Uh, and now, if you look at how bad the last two years of Hulk were, absolutely, um, uh, you would expect lesser recruiting classes, uh, lesser they were talent. Bad. They were yeah, bad. They were bad. So now I, 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 I get it. Um, uh, I guess it's my, my problem with excusing Harbaugh totally from it is I don't focus too much on his uh, uh, those guys from Hoke, I focus more on. Okay, well, what about the guys who brought to campus? How many of those guys took off? Now, look, no doubt about it. Uh, Chase Winovich took off. Um, uh, Devin Bush took off. You know, if it didn't tear his ACL, he'll be a prior Pro Bowl linebacker, first round draft pick, fantastic player. Chase, high energy guy, um, and there's a few other examples as well. But you could say, you know what, they did. They've done a good job developing talent on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but on the offensive side of the ball, uh, that, 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 that's a big question mark too. Um, you know, where are the quarterbacks? Where are the receivers? The best receivers that Michigan has had based on results, not based on recruiting DPJ, Tariq Black and, um, uh, Nico Collins were all four stars and up and they, they were good. Nico was really good, but those other two, when one had injury issues and Tariq Black, I'll give him an excuse, but DPJ never panned out. But I'll actually say. Uh, Amari Darball and, uh, and Chesson yeah. were better than yeah. all those guys in terms of their production on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes you question. Hold, hold on a second. So these kids, J.U. Chesson and uh, Amari Darball, were not as highly recruited as some of the receivers you brought in, but yet they had better results. Even while you coached them. See, they, that, there's still a problem. Either there's a problem with your development or there's a problem with your scouting. 
either way, there is a disconnect. You see what I'm saying, Corey? So that he's dropping the ball and has dropped the ball him or his staff. They <laughs> well, are I, dropping the ball. I think I know exactly what the disconnect is. What do you think? What is it? He, he made the worst mistake in his career bringing in Gaddis. You think? Oh, it hasn't worked. It's Ooh. tough because I like I understand it. It, it. it I agree. But Andre and I have talked about this before. I think the problem is if this were year five of Gaddis with Harbaugh, like it, I think you'd be fine. But because it's only year two, you are you're you're going from that pro I you know I formation that Harbaugh loves to you're just now trying to make a transition to being a spread team. And granted, and I'm not trying to absolve Gaddis at all because he has not been good and I don't know what the heck is going on. But um, I I think I think he waited too long for the transition. I think there were other coaches and other programs that kind of had the foresight of this change is coming of, you know, spread offense, tempo, going fast and all that, you know, run and gun type deal. And I and I think Harbaugh was slow to make that transition. He was way too slow. You're, you're spot on with that. You're spot on with that. And then on top of it, he didn't bring in the right guy for the job. And it's a combination of those two things that are catching up with the offense. And then, I mean, Desmond, to, to counter what you said to an extent about making that switch, I, I guess I'll ask, are you talking about maybe the players not being the best fit for the offense and needing to get some new, new fresh bodies in there? Yeah, I, I think, I think that has some of it of the, of the players, but, I mean, the tough part with spread offense is you you have to hit on the quarterback like the like when you run, you know, I formation. And, and for me as an Alabama fan, that's all we used to do. And we didn't you didn't need to have a quarterback like you could you could be good enough where you hit everywhere else and your recruiting's that good. Uh, you know, as a I got a good O line. I got a power running back. I'm good. I can I'm going to win probably 11 game 10, 11 games every year with that. But when it's a spread offense, like you need, you gotta have the the trigger man, and if you don't have that, it almost doesn't matter because every like you it he touches the ball so much, like you gotta have a guy who can deal. Yeah, and and I my my response to that would be, I, I go back and forth a little bit on it, but at some point you gotta look at it as all right, how many quarterbacks can you go through before it's an offensive scheme issue versus a well, we just haven't found the right guy. Couldn't you say the same thing with Pep Hamilton and um, a Pep and a, who was a Ted, a Tim Dresno? I mean, uh, Dresno. Like, I mean, like there are people who question them as well. I mean, people question that before they did the switch, that the uh, the uh, scheme that uh, uh, the passing scheme that Pep had was way too complicated. Um, yeah, that was said. Uh, that was and, what the O'Corn experience. Yeah, that was the John O'Corn, William Spade experience. They said that the passing common, uh, the route, the passing routes were way too complicated. That took way too many progressions, and you know, and, and it, it should have been simplified. Um, and so, like, okay, well, you can say, well, then that's another example of an office coordinator being the wrong hire. Well, okay, that's two strikes. <laughs> you making the wrong hire. You well, know what I'm saying? and the, and the tough part too is. I mean, how much better are you going to get than a five-star quarterback? Like it, you know what I mean? Like so, it, it, it right, and it and it, and it still may be, and Gaddis may definitely be the problem, but sure, it, you know, it, it's it's not going to get any better than than I, I getting a five-star think, kid. I just think it, the only reason I'm kind of I'm really really touched with that is because I don't want to get the. I, I'm not saying Corey that you're that's not a good point about Gaddis. I don't think Gaddis has worked out, but it's kind of hard for me to really put one blame heavy on a coordinator now because it's like, well, Harbaugh is cycling through coordinators left and right. Yeah. Um, let me, let me reword that. It, it was a terrible decision, but I, it all falls on Harbaugh because it's his guy. He picked it. Right. He went out and got a guy from one phone call and then offered him a job. I heard that. He never he had an in, in-person interview. We don't need to talk no, about that. <laughs> he, he was on his way to Maryland to go be the OC for Loxley, but obviously Loxley was going to play, still do the play, uh, play calling in Maryland when he took the head coaching job. But he was going to go over there. Why was he going to go over to Maryland and say, stay at Alabama? Because Alabama told him, you're not good enough to be our play caller. Because we're Alabama and we're not going to have a first-time play caller. Because <laughs> we're too good for that. Mm. If someone is too good of a, is not good enough to be at Alabama – 
we probably shouldn't call them and offer them a job on the spot. That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And it's showing he doesn't know how to set up plays. He's not developing a quarterback, obviously. You, you never know what we're trying to do. It's like, <laughs> go out there, we'll run the ball up the gut, get into third and long, and go and complete. Then the next drive will come out like, oh, we need to pass more. And then they will go out and pass, 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 and then eventually it'll fall off in the third and long. And then the next drive, it's like, oh, we got to get back to running the ball. There's no rhythm whatsoever. It's insane. Yeah. We're shuffling 45 running backs and, instead of just playing our best guys. We got nine receivers out there. Like, it, it, nothing about our offense makes any sense watching it. And a lot of the Michigan fan base is just content because we're like lining up in shotgun. It's like, oh, we got a spread offense now. We're good. This is what we wanted. It's like anyone that knows anything about the game is watching it. Like, what? What are we doing? <laughs> we got a. We have a spread. Crazy. We have a spread formation. We don't have a spread offense. <laughs> exactly <laughs> we, right. We yeah, line exactly up with a spread, right. but we don't execute it like a spread. Well, and it and, and it <laughs> and it shows with the you know the amount of of game or times that you see you know, a running back, whether it's Haskins or, or uh, you know, Charbonnet or anyone, like a guy will break off a 70-yard run and doesn't touch the ball again. Like, yeah. how do, like if I, if I have a running back that, that goes for a 70-yard pop, the very next time I get the ball, I'm, I'm running the exact same play. We ran outside zone. The very next time we get the ball, we're running outside zone again with that same guy. Like, he's going to get it again. Because right. you gotta go with the hot hand, like that's yeah. It's it's it is. And then it is very worst case scenario, Des, to pick it back off. That worst case scenario is well, not it's not even the worst case scenario. I mean, look, say if you don't get a lot of yards from the next play, because defense is like, okay, we're gonna hone in on that. They show you that, okay, we will give you that look first down. You bit. Now we're gonna fake it and bomb you over the middle. Mm-hmm. Or bomb you down. The, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it would never do that. No, 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 no. That's so true. Um, But it's just, you know, you know, another thing for me, uh, too, Corey, is that I don't, honestly, my biggest, like, disappointment with Harbaugh's decision-making staffing-wise is the defense. Um, And, look, I understand statistically, and they've been bringing up a lot. Every Michigan game, I love this. They bring up the statistic of Don Brown's fall this year and how (laughs) they've had a top five, ranked defense last three years but for some reason they're 192nd i think it was i saw going until the last it was some crazy low low uh high number mm-hmm. um but part of the reason why the reason why Harbaugh made the change offensively which i think a lot of us were okay with him doing was not because we had a hard time beating the non-conference and the lower teams of the Big Ten was because when we got to the bigger games, first teams who did run spread outside of Wisconsin, because they do traditional uh, pro style, but against Ohio State, against Penn State, we couldn't keep up with them scoring-wise. So, okay, we need to take another step. We need to change our offense. But defensively, if you think about it, we've had the same issues. When we play against the teams that have better athletes on the outside, when they can burn our corners all freaking day, we would get beat, and they did not do anything to change that defense. So I think Gaddis and Brown are the problem equally. 100%. Their defense is dreadful this year. You're 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 spot on with that. The reason I don't talk about Don Brown a lot is because everyone that watches Michigan football has been complaining about him for three years now. <laughs> so I don't feel That's the true. need. I don't feel the need to talk about it too much because you're not telling anyone anything they don't know. But you're, dead you're absolutely spot on. We we get cooked by the crossers. Anytime there's better or close to equal athletes on the other side of the ball and it's a competent offensive coordinator, we're, we're cooked. It's just the way it goes. I, I just like just hearing you say it, it's like because we all you just said we've all seen it over the last three years. Can I just tell you something like what the hell are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we, we have a three year sample size and yet we continue to, um, to, to, um, employ this guy. Well, not us, but you know, as a yeah. Michigan yep. team to employ this guy. No, he and has no him. Yep. And, right. and, and, and to me, there's a, there's, there's a, I can, I can still keep you as my defensive coordinator and, and as the CEO of, of Michigan football, we can work on tweaking like something, right? So, it, so I, I see that we're having failures in these big games. So especially when we get to the big games, I'm going to be in those defensive meetings. Like you're not going to sit in there by yourself with me disconnected, knowing that continuously you're failing in these big games. Like I'm going to be there. 
we're going to talk about some things. And, and you know, usually on a, a Sunday, uh, you know, the coaches are having meetings and things like that where they talk about what they want to do for the upcoming week. And, and maybe it's Monday because Sunday's a, a quick turnaround. But nonetheless, in those meetings, like, you know, and, and you don't need to embarrass anybody. Let him say, yeah, we're going to run a lot of man. We're going to get after uh, 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 Dwayne Haskins. You know, we're going to blitz him and blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, cool. Once that meeting is done, I'd be like, hey, uh, Don, can you can you uh, stay after a little bit? Cool. Hey, um, we're we're not we're not doing that again. Like we we've already done that. We need to mix in some more zone coverage. Like, and then, you know, and you, and you do it in a respectful way. You're not trying to you know embarrass them or talk down to them. But it's just like, look, man, like we've done this, you know, time and time again. We need to switch it up. We need to try something different. Like they're going to be expecting a lot of man. Let's give them some man looks. And then, you know, we're, we're going to really play zone, you know, try to like confuse them or something like, like you just can't, yeah. you can't just, just go out and just blitz, you know. Oh, uh, confusion was the word. Cause you know what? Knowing how Harbaugh talks, I can't scout anybody <laughs> who has a conversation with them. It's not confused at <laughs> Like when you, when you walk in off the room, you're like, what the hell did we, what did he just say? Like, <laughs> I still have in my mind from the Amazon Prime series uh, with Michigan. Uh, uh, the look on the uh, faces of the players when he was talking about some freaking ice cream example, <laughs> wanted ice cream as a kid, and you're looking at like I, 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 I don't know that's that's kind of off topic. I'm sorry, it's just it's frustrating. I'm like, dude, I just heard his interview today when they canceled the game, and just hearing a dude talks makes me aggravated. It's like, what is wrong with you, man? Like, it, yeah. I just, whatever. Do you, Corey, do you feel like he's lost the fire? Because uh, I've seen it on social media and things like that where, you know, his first couple years, like a lot of, you know, just energy and passing on the sideline and more. And it seems like now more so it's just, you know, kind of lax and just not yeah. the same, you know, not the same as it was the first couple of years. What do you think? So uh, he, it's not a matter of if he did. He's definitely less passionate on the sidelines than he used to be, and especially when he first got here. It's a matter of, is that a problem? Is he, he's, he does, he, he definitely, you know, yells at refs still, does make scenes occasionally, but not nearly to the extent when he first came in. And to be fair to his part, that's all anyone ever said when he was doing it was, wow, this guy's a child. He's got to stop <laughs> acting like this. Yeah. Ridiculous. yeah. Then he stopped yeah. doing it. Then everyone's like, well, I want that guy back. It's like, well, interesting because some receipts say otherwise, but um <laughs> So there's that side of it, but he's definitely lost some of the fire. You could, I don't think that's even debatable. Like he did. It's a matter of, is it rubbing off on his team in a negative way? Does his team want more of that out of him? Does that bring more out of his team? Yeah. Well, when it cures all and when you're losing, it's, yeah. a, lot easier, <laughs> it's a lot easier to, to, to nick and pick at, at, at little things. And I you know, nothing, another problem, Corey, in terms of, is it, is it a problem? It, it, it becomes a problem where it's clear you have a culture issue mm-hmm. because a lot of times the team takes their cues and they take on the personality of the coach. And when we can't as fans see the inside of the locker room, we can only go by what we see on game day. When we see our coach as laissez blah and um, disinterested, lacking emotion, lacking focus at times, it seems – um, and then you see the team looking like that, the team mm-hmm. looking mentally weak, the team looking ill-prepared, the team look looking like they're lacking emotion, lacking the fire. Half of them don't even like, touch the banner when they run out. Yeah. That's it, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, it, it's just like hold on a second now. Like are are you are you inspiring these guys like you need to be? You know, have you lost the fire? Because you don't have the same antics on the sideline, whether they're embarrassing or not. So wait a second. So is that rubbing off on the team? Are you not inspiring the right. team? It could be all off base. It's very possible, but those things come up when the team's oh, yeah. struggling. Yeah, I, I, I'm completely with you, and I, I think it's a hard question to answer. The, the original question, Desmond, I think it's hard to know without pretty much being in the locker room. Mm-hmm. You know, it, He's definitely lost it, but is, is it a matter of is it affecting the team negatively? Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. The the one thing I, I – a moment that stood out to me in the in – the, so far this season was the Michigan state game. Like it, it just watching Michigan, like early on in that game, uh, it just didn't seem like they had like any like juice or any like energy. Like I was expecting, you know, Michigan to come out and just be flying around. Like this is a team that 
yeah, we should definitely beat them. Like, let's come out with some energy. Let's beat them down. You know, it's a rivalry game, a chance to embarrass them. Like, yeah, let's do this. And it just, and early on, it just, it almost was like, uh, I, I don't want to say it was like nerves, but it also, it, it kind of seemed like, like it was one of those games where, and you guys are both former athletes, so you know, like one of those games where it's just like, you have no idea how this is going to go. Like we could easily lose this one or win it. Like, let's just try not to mess it up. Like you, you know what I mean? Like right. you have, you have kind of that, that anxiety a little bit with, I think part of it is just sports, but it just was odd to me. Like I, I was watching it early on and I, I was talking to a friend and I'm just like, man, it, it just don't seem to have much juice. Like I was expecting, you know, the defense to be out jumping around and celebrating and getting after it. And it just, I don't know. I don't know what, think, um, you know, what it is. I think it's a combination of a couple things. I think the game plan was definitely come out. Don't make mistakes. More playing not to lose and playing to win. And then a very common theme throughout Harbaugh, to be honest, just absolutely terrible when it comes to facing adversity. Like you get punched in the mouth and it, and it just ding, ding, ding. And it, <laughs> did, did state snowball terribly? No, we don't, I think we ended up losing by three. So it's not like it got out of hand or anything, but in general, they get punched in the, in the mouth and it's like, it, all right, here we go again, game over sort of thing. And it's crazy that they just, I, I don't know what to point to there. Back to the culture issue, I, I would put it at, I guess. But that I think those two things, you know, attributed to what happened in, that's for the state game. It's all culture because, I, you know, it used to, like, really tick me off because I hate the guy, but I had such respect for him and what he did. And I was jealous because I wanted for my program is what D'Antonio did for MSU for years. You know, for years, MSU, now MSU had talent. But, you know, like for years, what allowed them to – this is like the biggest thing about Harbaugh that I just can't get over. And, and excuse, it's that you have not ever won as an underdog. And that, to me, that's like the true definition of a great coach. Can you can you create a game plan? Can you galvanize your team? Your own five versus Ohio State. Oh, and six, actually, right? No, oh, well, six. Uh, no, oh, game was canceled, so it, I right. guess it doesn't go on your record. It would have been 0-6. Oh, but your own five versus Ohio State. And it's not that you're on the same level as Ohio State, but not one time you couldn't get your guys to rise up to the occasion. And I don't care that you were close in 2016. You still lost. You couldn't get them to rise to the occasion and get it done. D'Antonio was able to do that multiple times. And why Urban was there. So it's like, it, it it's and that goes to culture because MSU and me and Des talked about this when they played Bama in the playoffs. Yeah, they were beat by Bama, but that first half they played with Bama. They were step for step with them. They played physical, even though they were not nearly as talented. Their mental toughness allowed them to be disciplined and stay in that game for a while until talent eventually took itself over. And that that and that goes to culture. That was D'Antonio's team, prime D'Antonio, not the later years. That was a staple at D'Antonio's teams, no matter if it was Le'Veon Bell, Kirk Cousins, uh, uh, Connor Cook, uh, Jeremy Langford. It don't matter who was in that backfield, at quarterback, running back, or receiver, you had the same identity and mental toughness of that program. So, once again, I put that on Jimmy. Yeah. I think D'Antonio did great at playing the, the underdog card. Pretty mm-hmm. much every year, even you know, there it was always even even when they had great teams, you could still yeah. kind of play that card, which Michigan will never be able to play to because they're Michigan <laughs> State will be able to play more because they're state, and that's just the way of the branding goes. But obviously, we get a lot of positive side effects of the branding as well, so it's not like we can complain about that. But find something else. I feel like we come out with a cocky attitude almost every game, like we're better than everyone, and then the second there's a lick of adversity, all right, pack it in. Uh, here we go again. Yeah, uh, I, you know, and that's my biggest one of the biggest problems with Michigan is that you know, and not, I love them so much, but it's like this difference between being proud and feeling good about yourself than being than, than being entitled. Like mm-hmm. every kid that goes, I'm not saying, you know, like there's like this clip about uh, I think Tom Brady is giving a speech to the to the team. He's like, you should feel proud if you play for Michigan. You know, it's that you know that's great. You know, I, I think it's good that you should feel that way. And I'm sure Bama kids have a certain pride. Like, I play at the University of Alabama. But it's like this also, I need to set my own legacy. I want to prove myself. And I question, do they have that part? Is that also being taught in that locker room? Yeah, you're part of a great tradition. You're part of Team 180, whatever the hell, the hell it is now. <laughs> but you also 
what are you going to do for Team X? You know what I'm saying? Like, are they really, you know, are they are they really having these kids earn that 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 stigma? Uh, you know what I'm trying to say? That, that that's another. Pro- There's a way you. Could, I think a great coach can spin that and still get yeah. his guys to be focused and play with their head on fire. You know? Yeah, it's just not happening. It's, nope, it's not. It ha- it hasn't been happening. So, I think you're spot on. Yeah, I think I think competition is the way that you do that. Um, I, I think that, you know, knowing it, it, there should be a healthy fear that if I screw up this week in practice, like I'm not going to play Saturday like there. That should be there. Like it should never be. It really doesn't matter. Like I'm just trying to get to Saturday. Like you can't coast through, you know, the week, like thinking that no matter what, you're either going to start, you're going to play or and you're going to win. Like those things aren't. Uh, things that should be taken for granted. And when you do, you end up losing, you know, games that you shouldn't uh, because you, you know, you sleepwalk through uh, the week and, and that's what happens. And you, you know, guys, every, every guy, and, and I'm sure, you know, like I said, you guys are former athletes when you guys were in high school and same as me, we all thought, Oh yeah, I could just flip a switch on Friday night. Like, yeah, I, I could do that. No, nah, mm-hmm. no, nah. it does. It does not happen. Like, and pro players can't do that. Like, so it, it, you know, but, but when you're, you know, 15, 16 and, you know, 17 years old, you think that you're like, oh, you have the utmost confidence. And it's like, no, you got to put the work in Monday through Thursday so that, you know, on Friday, like you're, you're already in the mode. Like you don't, there's no switch to be flipped. Uh, You, you need to be in that, that mindset, that mode from the, you know, from the jump. Yeah. You know, you brought up like, you know, the the athlete part of it, you know, and, and this is where, you know, Curry brought the point about the mental toughness getting punched in the mouth. You know, like my high school team, we were terrible in my junior and senior year, two and seven. And, you know, uh, you know, one thing that is so common, and this is uh, applies on the high school level, college level, NFL level, any level of sports, and particularly football, is that you can feel energy. Um, and where, especially if you're struggling as a team, one negative play, it could be a play in which a guy gets open on offense and the pass is overthrown, right? It's like, God, we just missed that opportunity. Deflate you, you know, boom. And, you know, and then you punt the ball off where you could have had a touchdown and the guy takes it back for a touchdown, right, in a punt. Or the team gets the, the ball and then they go down and score, and now you're talking about a seven-point swing, right? That's energy, and that – and when you're losing and when you don't have a good culture, that fear and it, 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 it messes up everything. You start playing it tight. You start thinking you're going to fail. And then the wheels fall off. And that all goes to culture. Yeah. No, you're right. And you need some player leadership, too, in those situations, too. Yeah. A few position groups on offense, you know, have a couple guys that can be vocal, slap some sense in the guys, get guys ready to go again. And we clearly just don't have that either. It's, it's 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 a it's crazy, and I I don't know, you know, I don't know if you guys heard the press conference today, uh, you know, when when uh, Harbaugh and uh, uh, Ward Manuel talked, um, they avoided the extension questions, you know, why haven't we st- seen one from Harbaugh, you know, him, you know, and it all stems from when me and Des talked about this earlier this year. He's the only I think Power Five coach uh, that doesn't have a deal. Uh, that it's going into like the last two years of his deal or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we're here at the end of this year and uh, he still hasn't been signed, at least officially. And uh, they, they dodged the questions today talking about how they will address that at the end of the season. Well, Hey guys, is this the end of the season? But anyway. <laughs> um, well, and I, and I heard something too, that they're not going to announce anything until at least December 19th. But yeah. if I'm not mistaken, isn't early signing day next Wednesday, the 16th. Yes, it is. It is. Yes. I I just don't get why you why you would yeah. put that that date in jeopardy. Um, there's there's one kid, and it doesn't sound like there's any uh, you know issue. Like sounds like he's signing with Michigan. But if you're JJ McCarthy, if I'm his father, I'm telling him do not sign early. Like I, I because what? Okay, so what if on the 19th Jim Harbaugh announces I'm going to the Jets? Like what? You know what I mean? Like you don't know who's coming in after yeah. that. Like. You know, that's so, a lot to, to bring it, you know, to, to bet, put put your 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 chips all in on, you know, you don't even know this guy's future. So to speak on that a little bit, he's actually spoken on it and pretty much said, 
I'm coming to Michigan. And he's more or less, obviously, he worded it more, you know, correct for a recruit to say to media, but more or less said, I don't care who the coach is. Yep. I either trust Michigan or I trust that they're going to bring in someone that's going to put me in a position to succeed. I'm not, I'm not committing to a coach. I'm committing to a school. Yeah, that makes sense. And it, it, so, it has sounded like he's been just a Michigan guy, like from the jump, but just as an example though, like, okay, there there's, there's JJ McCarthy, but then there's other, you know, five-star kid that you're trying to get and we'll call him Dre for today. Like, you know, for Dre, like if he's sure. not all in on Michigan, like this isn't going to help. You know what I mean? Like well, if he's, we're, we're losing Xavier worthy, our best receiver commit to Alabama from the, on the exact same. You made the right decision. decision. <laughs> <laughs> History. Hey, look, look I, I don't know who's the last, I think the last first round receiver the uh, Michigan's had was uh, uh, Braylon. I, I think if I'm not mistaken, like a, you know, in Bama, you guys seen like two guys in the first round. <laughs> so I think, I think, see, and, and that's the thing too. You know, with Sean Garrett, any kid who's a five-star kid, and I say this like people may like will hear me. They're probably like, "Are you really a Michigan fan?" No, I am. But I'm also like, I look at things like ob- objectively too. At least I try. And it's like if you you a five-star kid and you are a defensive lineman, <laughs> you're either should go okay, kid. I don't care if I have a son. He's like, hey, yeah, dad, I- I'm looking at. All right, my top five were Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Michigan, and let's throw in Georgia. I'm like, okay, well, let's take Michigan off the table right now. <laughs> <laughs> and let's focus on those top four. Okay. Well, let's let's take that blue hat that let's put let's put this to the side. We're gonna look at these four. Okay. That that that's not what we're looking at right now. Like and say so I was the if I was a corner, if I had a kid that was a corner, okay, yeah, you're either going to Alabama or you're going to Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yep. You know, like it's just and the quarterback, uh, same thing. You know, why would you want to come to Michigan? Like I don't understand, Daxton Hill. What are you doing? You're a safety. <laughs> why aren't you playing at Bama? Why aren't you playing at Ohio State? I'm happy you're here. Believe me, I am. <laughs> But, you know, I, I just – Rashawn Gary just got the three-and-a-half sacks for the Packers the second year, okay? <laughs> you know, we ruined – Dominant – dominant player. Dominant guy. Dominant, right? I, I just – I don't I don't know. So, before we wrap up, I have actually a topic. Uh, and it'll be, it'll be pretty quick. But, obviously, you know, we talked about it before the uh, – you know, opening up on the podcast today. So, Ohio State's game is canceled. Uh, obviously, they're going to play Michigan. For now, for, possible that can come back the nineteenth. It's possible. Yeah, it's Unlikely. probably not going to happen. Um, but so Ohio State is free to play on Saturday, and I've also seen some rumors that uh, I believe Texas A and M's game was canceled uh, due to their Ooh. opponent um, having COVID issues as well. So you have number either three or four Ohio State and number five Texas A and M that are both free on Saturday if you guys so say let's say Corey you're you're Texas A&M and Dre you're Ohio yeah. State do you guys say yes to to that game playing on this Saturday that that's a hell of a risk for both teams because I mean you look you lose that game you know your national your playoff hopes are essentially over um I, I it, it will help A&M more than it will Ohio State yep. because A&M you know, they, they're not yeah. going to make the SEC title and they will need that win to kind of help, you know, boost them into the playoff. If I'm A&M, yes. Ohio State, no. Yeah, it's a it's a no-brainer for, for A&M for sure, unless they think that Ohio State ends up without a game and then they get left out. But here, here's, here's how I view it overall. Since before the season even started, and I'm not trying to sound like a bitter Michigan fan because it's true because it's a business decision. The Big Ten said, all right, what can we do to get Ohio State in the playoffs? And you see yep. that in scheduling. Yeah. And they're going to find a way to get them as the Big Ten champion, whether it means they adjust the rule, whether it means they play someone else on Saturday. One way or another, they're going to they're gonna end up with the Big Ten title, assuming they take care of business on whoever they end up playing. That's my honest thoughts on it. And they're going to get into the playoffs. I'm still concerned if you're an Ohio State fan just because you have Clemson, what, playing double the games you've played? Mm-hmm. you got Alabama playing double the games you've played? While I was very high on them going into the year, and I still am, that's that, 
that's a lot of less uh, live bullets you've gotten. Yeah, and then you've had, you know, COVID issues. You know, way by has COVID issues, but it's just, you know, like you're, you're right, Corey. You know, like repetitions is everything. Um, you know, um, and the good thing, Clemson, they got Trevor Lawrence back. You know, uh, that doesn't help Ohio State. Um, and I, I think if Ohio State, it really affects them. My only question mark is on their defense. You know, uh, can their defense handle a high octane offense like Clemson or Alabama? Offensively, they can score with anybody. They're loaded. You know, their second strings are probably could go undefeated in the Big Ten still. I mean, literally, they're they're that they're that deep, uh, except for the running back position. But other than that, they're they're that deep. Um, but defensively, um, they could get exposed. That's why if I'm a high side, I wouldn't want to play at AM right now. Because defensively, you may get exposed. And if you're in a shootout, really anything can happen. So here's yeah. here's the only here's so I, I agree with both of you that it really it it's beneficial for AM and for Ohio State, it's like, eh, because I, I agree, Corey. They're the Big Ten's gonna do whatever they need to do to get them in the playoff. Yeah. But think about this though. Right now, Ohio State's undefeated. They're ranked number four in the playoff. I think we can all agree that ideally you probably don't want that four spot because Alabama's rolling and clicking as a team right now. So that would be, I think, enough to get you out of that four spot where you're in, you know what I mean? If you're in the, the two, if you go out and throttle Texas A&M, like you're moving up, you know what I mean? Now you still have the championship, you know, the ACC championship, which is going to be Notre Dame and Clemson, I was about to say, yeah. but I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting. I, the most likely scenario that plays out in my head is Clemson knocks off Notre Dame. Notre Dame drops to four, Ohio State moves move to three, and we got a good clean rematch between Clemson and Ohio State, and then Bama gets to beat up on Notre Dame. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'd take that. <laughs> I would take that. He don't want no Ian Book. <laughs> Man. He don't want to see no Ian Book. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll I, I see like Ian, Ian Book. Book. I like Ian Book. He, he uh, is. definitely taking Alabama in that match. Before this year, I was like, man, this dude is garbage. But he's played really well this year. I, he's impressed me this year. So I, I will give him yeah. uh, his All due right, credit. Let's do a one one question trivia real quick. When's the last time Notre Dame lost a football game? Last time? Yeah. Uh, I think it was the butt whooping from. Uh, Did lose to Georgia last year? I, my get- it was Michigan at, at in Ann Arbor in the in the rainstorm. Oh, last year. Oh, yeah. Oh, and they lost pretty convincingly too. I think we blew them out. Like yeah, that. you we guys did. Rattled them, and that's the last time Notre Dame lost a football game. Sheesh. Well, about- it seems like people just get better when they play after they play Jimmy. <laughs> but we can't seem to get better. Wait, hey, when we get humble, we get humble. We get blown out. We just keep getting blown out. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm done. I, I can't. It's just this is how I deal with my pain. I deal with my pain by making jokes. Like, honestly, I'm a mess, and I'm past the point of anger. So I just got to make jokes so I don't destroy my PS4 or something. Perfect. Well, we will wrap it up. Uh, Corey, thanks again, man, for joining us. We definitely – been a pleasure, uh, man. Yes, yeah, it's been a pleasure. It. Good talk. Good talks for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that is another episode of the Dre and Des Podcast.